Welcome, everyone, to Season 4, Episode 144 of the Premiere Pod. I'm your host, Yashbika, joined by my co-host, Tyler Chan. And in this episode, pretty much, basically, all of it is down to Championship Sunday, which is coming up this Sunday. Uh, a pretty big one because, obviously, the main talking point is the uh, title decider between Manchester City and Liverpool. Um, obviously, Liverpool coming off a huge FA Cup win against Chelsea, which also went to penalties again. Uh, but they won the FA Cup. Um, they are pay- facing, um, I believe, is it Wolves? I don't know who are they who yep. are they facing. Wolves. Yeah, Wolves in the final game of the season. Actually, I think they played Wolves in the final game of the 2018-19 season as well, which is yeah, I believe kind you're of right an odd about that. Yeah, it's kind of an odd <laughs> facto <laughs> right spooky. there. Yeah, weird one there. But they are playing Wolves on Sunday. But Manchester City will play Aston Villa on Sunday. Obviously, Aston Villa under. Steven Gerrard and um, Felipe Coutinho, so two former Liverpool, um, big, obviously a Liverpool legend, and Felipe Coutinho, who was a big Liverpool playmaker for them. So maybe there could be some Liverpool magic that helps um, spook City a bit that could slip them up, and then that could lead into Liverpool potentially winning the title. But some pretty big ones there. Um, I mean, I guess starting off with like the FA Cup win, I know it went back to penalties again, but it was a pretty hard fought, like hard fought affair. But I mean, Liverpool just ended up coming back on top. Um, Chelsea, Mason Mount uh, missing the penalty, which basically sealed the title for Liverpool with uh, Tamikas or, or how, how do you cost us? Samikas. Samikas um, scoring the winning pen. And yeah, from there, delirium. <laughs> the Greek scouser with the game ending penalty right there. It was a really hard fought win. Like I would say it was very 50 50 once I got to penalties and the game was very back and forth, even though there weren't any goals. Oh my gosh. <laughs> my heart was in my hands. I was, it, it could have been two, two. I feel like at certain points, there's just so many chances that just hit the post went a little wide from either side. Like Pulisic had a really good opportunity for Chelsea. Luis Diaz, had man of the match performance mm-hmm. and even at certain points also hit the post. But I feel like this game, it could have been a toss up, but like I, I feel like that little bit of experience of having been in these kind of cup finals and, you know, finishing them off. Whereas, you know, Chelsea, this is the third <laughs> FA Cup final in a row, but they just can't get over that line. They just yeah. can't get over that finish to get, get the final win. The and last it's kind of FA ironic. Cup win came against Manchester United. <laughs> <laughs> Gosh dang, that hurts. <laughs> I feel like they're, it's almost like a pseudo Buffalo Bill situation where they, they made it to a Super Bowl three seasons in a row and then yeah. they've lost three seasons in a row. Even though it's not like the Champions League final, this is just FA Cup final, but still yeah. like the biggest, one of the biggest uh, domestic cups you can get. So they kind of... It's yeah. kind of rough for any Chelsea fans out there. Also, it's kind of rough that they lost to Liverpool once again in a penalty shootout. No Kepa this time. They kept yeah. Mendy in goal. It's also a tough one because uh, they. this is the third, um, I guess, cup final in a row they've lost to Liverpool in penalties because back in 2019, they played in the UEFA Super Cup and Adrian was the goalkeeper, the starting goalkeeper. He beat them in penalties, beat Chelsea in penalties, and then... In 2022, in the League Cup, Carabao Cup, um, key, uh, call, how do you say it's Keller? Calvin Keller. Calvin yeah. Keller was in goal, stopped them, won the League Cup. And then this one in the 2022 FA Cup, uh, Ali Sun was in goal. And 
obviously beat Chelsea in penalties. So it's three of all, basically all three of Liverpool's keepers have beaten Chelsea in cup finals. Yeah. That's a good stat too. It's just like, it was always a different keeper for Liverpool in these kind of shootouts and they all kind of worked out. And I was kind of surprised too, because this lineup that Liverpool also had, that were the penalty kick takers. We didn't have three of our, I would say top five takers. We didn't have Salah. We didn't have Fabinho and we didn't have Van Dijk. So I was a, I was a little nervous going into the shootout, but you know everyone stepped up. Mane unfortunately had his saved by his fellow Senegalese countryman. goalkeeper, your countryman right there. He had the the game winner, but Mendy was all up in his head. But yeah. It's all good because Allison came through and stopped Mason Mount. That was a little rough to see, but you know, step up, Samikas yeah. to kind of steal it for Liverpool, and <laughs> it was kind of ironic too because. After that big win, uh, Liverpool faced Southampton midweek and they had nine changes. I guess there's a, a lot of just mental kind of hurdles and just kind of refreshment to kind of get over that kind of big win. So they had nine yeah, Minamino different scored. And Minamino stepped club. up. Or no, I so guess former Loney club. Yeah, former Loney club. And it was a scrappy 2-1 win, but I mean, it was a big 2-1 win. And it kind of showed how much depth kind of mattered. Because not only did Liverpool come off their 60th game of the season against Chelsea in an FA Cup final, but they had enough folks to still keep that title race competitive and get a scrappy win at St. Mary's against Southampton. So it's it's all coming together. I, I'm getting kind of scared in terms of like, I know there's a few folks on the team that also are looking to leave the club in the summer, like Origi, even Minamino, unfortunately might be looking to greener pastures to get more playing time. But yeah. I mean, it kind of shows that even though they don't play too often, when they, when they get called up, they still are able to play as if like they've been playing consistently to get thrown into a game like this is out of the blue, just start a game. That's such a high pressure, high intensity game. I mean, it is Southampton, but I mean, it's a game that you just have to win and still manage to do it. That kind of goes to show how, you know, I feel like the commentators and all the pundits were saying training for Liverpool has been working well and making sure the intensity stays there so that when these players do get called on, they can still act and get the win and, uh, and act as if like, you know, it's not too crazy to have nine changes in the starting 11 and have players like Harvey Elliott, who hasn't started since September, come into yeah. that starting 11 and still get a result. So, yeah, now it's all riding up for Sunday, Championship Sunday. When yeah. all the teams face off all at once at the same for the time. final match of the season. I would say really like the biggest narrative is just Liverpool City for the title, Tottenham Arsenal for top four, and then um, Burnley and Leeds for relegation for the last who who's gets the last relegation spot because everything else is, is set. Um, but yeah, those are the mm-hmm. biggest ones. But obviously the title comes down again on Championship Sunday, which it basically did in 2018-19. Um, where Liverpool and City were neck and neck. But obviously, um, at that point, City was on a 13-game winning streak. Liverpool were on an eight-game winning streak heading into Championship Sunday. But now it's both teams are kind of coming in. I would say at decent form, City almost slipped up and let West Ham uh, get 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 one on them. But then the City were able to make a comeback and could have won the game at the end, but Mara skied his penalty, I believe. Skyder saved it or had his penalty saved from Fabianski. But that was a big one because... If literally, if City would have won that game, I think they would have won the title, I believe. Mm-hmm. Or, yeah, they yeah. literally would have won the title. And Liverpool, if they would have dropped points against Southampton, they would have won City. It would have gifted City the title, I believe. 
or yes. it was a loss. So it's just crazy yeah, how they, fine they lost. Yeah, how fine the margins have been. Um, because it seems like when whenever City looks like they're about to wrap up the title, Liverpool somehow find a way to just keep it going a little bit. But I will say, Tyler, I think uh, for Championship Sunday coming purely as a Manchester United fan that doesn't want to see them do the quadruple, I think City will win the title. But I also think City do have, um, quote-unquote, an easier opponent. I know uh, Coutinho and Gerrard and Villa can put up a fight, but... I mean, there's a reason Villa are kind of still, you know, in the bottom half of the table and Manchester City are like at the top because I think Pep Guardiola, this is not a Champions League final, so I think Pep Guardiola, uh, unlike the Champions League, Manchester City typically have a better squad and depth of players than most teams in the Premier League. And I just think their experience winning a ton of other Premier League titles in the past under Pep will kind of come through. And I think there's enough leadership to kind of get them through and just, I wouldn't say it would be a comfortable win over Villa, but I, I do think that it may be a little bit scrappy for the first 50 or so minutes, but I wouldn't be surprised for City to kind of pull through and ultimately get that win because that's all all City need. If they get a win, the title's theirs. Mm-hmm. But they have to win though because, yeah. but I mean, that's also assuming Liverpool wins as well because Liverpool, yeah. they have to win. Yeah. But that's Stevie G magic, man. If Stevie G could help win Liverpool a title as the Aston Villa manager with not only Coutinho, but other former Liverpool player, Danny Ings, up from the from the Greys over here. You never know. All the if you know if they can pull a draw against Man City and Liverpool win, then Liverpool will get the title. So they don't even have to win out against City. They don't even have to, you know, they just can't lose. <laughs> That's yeah. essentially it. So, I mean, it's a big ask. And this is basically a final for both teams. It's if Liverpool win, there's a shot at the title. If Man City win, there's a guaranteed title. So, it is basically a cup final right here. It's mm-hmm. kind of how you can think about it for both teams. But, man, imagine the storyline. Stevie G helps <laughs> win Liverpool the title. But it'd be so tragic if Aston Villa gets the draw or win. And then, I don't want to say it. I don't want to say it. <laughs> Liverpool end up drawing against <laughs> yeah, the Wolves. Drawing. It'd be like all for nothing. Freaking Stevie G would be so mad. So we got to do it for not only him, but also just to keep that quadruple dream alive. It's it's coming, Yush. I know you don't <laughs> want to hear it, but it's we got to believe. We got to believe. Oh, my gosh. It's, I mean, at least of anything, if we're being realistic, there's still a big chance of getting at least a triple like, you know, with Champions League, FA Cup, and uh, Carabao Cup. That's probably, like, the more, be- like, sided for Liverpool's sake in terms of, like, we have, the ch- like, the higher chance of getting the tr- the triple rather than the quadruple. But mm-hmm. to have the chance still there in the final match of the season, in the in the Premier League at least, that's, that's huge. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think – I think if Liverpool also do it, it would be the first time, I think as you mentioned as well in a previous pod, that – a English team has ever pulled off a quadruple in history. Yeah. So yeah, I think I think Bayern may have done it, but I think you know Bayern. I mean, I think they've done it with. I think Bayern won every club competition you could. At, I think it was that 2019-20 season during that COVID stretch of like the Bundesliga, Champions League, DFB Pokal, German Super Cup, FIFA Club. I mean, they won everything. But I mean, that's mm-hmm. they're Bayern Munich. They kind of are used to doing things like that. 
Uh, right. But no, like you said, if if Liverpool do it, they would be the first English team. Because um, what's also interesting is no English team has pulled off the uh, treble since Manchester United did it in ninety eight, ninety nine, um, which is pretty crazy. Like they're they've been the last English team to pull off the the domestic treble of uh, League Cup, FA or me, FA Cup, Premier League, and the Champions League. And we've seen mm. Spanish teams do that. I think Barcelona are the most recent one with under yeah, Luis Enrique. Um, in the 2014-15 were the most recent ones, and then Bayern, obviously. So, yeah, it's not a very common thing to do, to do triple, uh, but obviously the quadruple is not very common at all. So, And, I mean, there's also a kind of big, on top of that uh, accolade, Klopp has finally won every single major trophy you could win while at Liverpool with that FA oh, Cup yeah. win, because now he's won every single trophy you can win. Yeah. So he's finished the collection, but now it's like, can he do... The big thing. Can you do it? <laughs> we'll see. It's not in our hands, so it's a little little freaky. But I I, I just gotta believe. You just gotta yeah. believe, Yush. <laughs> I know. I'll you believe for to. City winning. It's the worst of the two <laughs> no. evils, but I'd rather have City win than a Liverpool oh walk away gosh. with a truthful. <laughs> oh, uh, well, I mean, you know what I'll be doing. It's gonna be one of those days where we're gonna have 10 screen or I guess in this case the only two games that I'll be really keeping my eyes on are Liverpool and City so I have two screens up for Sunday you know mm-hmm. laptop and TV and just watching both and then I know for you yes you might have 10 screens <laughs> you have to keep track of everything luckily Literally. I'm actually not working Sunday so oh nice <laughs> yeah. so I don't bullet. have to worry about any of that <laughs> gosh uh, dang yeah, I'll probably, I mean, I'm still debating if it's even worth watching Manchester United's last game. I might tune into actually, I might tune in a little bit into the Tottenham Arsenal fiasco because I feel like that would be kind of spicy. Because mm-hmm. I feel like Tottenham could, they could slip up and then Arsenal, they need to beat um, Everton. And Everton, um, we were going to put on a wild card. They're already promoting the Premier League. So Everton or don't really staying. need to do anything. Yeah. yeah, they are staying in the Premier League. Sorry. Um, they don't need to do anything anymore. They're, they're safe. So it's like, do they even get motivated to try that hard in the final game of the season? You know? So now probably the pressure is now yeah. all on Arsenal. So it's no longer they're facing a fidgety Ever- Everton team. They're now, uh, Arsenal has all the pressure now. So it'll be very interesting. The the, the, the Championship Sunday, there's a lot of interesting storylines coming down to the wire. Mm-hmm. It's a good thing for the Premier League because I know at least for other leagues, at least in America, like the NFL, they try to yeah. drop stories for everything. But I mean, for this Sunday, it was so dependent on all these results to kind of come through from the previous week for yeah. Liverpool to make sure they won for for Arsenal also keeping this uh, top four race and then also just to see how the relegation battle is going to go. But yeah. I still think Manchester United, this could be a, a cathartic moment for you guys just watching this final game. You'd be like, all right, this is the last time I have to see this. <laughs> I yeah. have to see wasn't it? Wasn't folks. it like uh, it was like last, wasn't it the championship Sunday like Seven years or eight years ago at this point, it was like Steven Gerrard's last game. Like they lost like 6 0 to Stoke. <laughs> no, 6 <six>, 1. <laughs> oh. It was. I feel like that's probably what's going to happen. <laughs> so I think if, like, it's funny, I think I read a stat if Manchester United do lose, I guess it's probably a good segue to Manchester United. If they do lose on Championship Sunday, it'd be the first season they finish with a negative goal differential since like 89 90 in the, in the top flight, 1989 Jeez. to 1990. So. Yeah, they literally, have a plus, they literally have a plus one goal differential. So they need to win. I think the way it goes, they need to win um, to secure 
a Europa League finish because if West Ham win as well and Manchester United don't win, uh, United will be in the Conference League while West Ham will be in the Europa League. But I think I think United have the, I guess, upper hand because even though the goal differential is bad, um, I think they also have the head-to-head over West Ham um, in the Premier League. But I think they're, what, one point above them? I don't have the table with me they're, right now. But. They're uh, two points above West Ham right okay. now. So they essentially just need to win because if they don't win, <laughs> they're, it's kind of kind You're going to be in that green league, man. You're going to be in that green competition. Yeah, so the I'm Europa hoping Conference League. I'm hoping this. I want the season to end, but I'm really hoping they can just finish it out, get a get a get a win for the last one of the season, and then just put the season behind them because it's been like I said this whole season. It's been it's been tough. It's been a struggle. Um, I don't. Yeah, I don't think you would want to watch Manchester United next season against some random team in Uzbekistan or <laughs> no, <laughs> some I, random I'd rather, team. In like I'd rather East have them Bulgaria. be in the Europa League. I'd rather have them be in the Europa League at least. Um, oh my I gosh! Think it, would, it would give them like the best chance for another trophy. But outside of that, there just hasn't been much going on with the club. I think it's just it's kind of just waiting for the season to end. But I will say, Eric Ten Hag. He actually cut his vacation short, or basically had no vacation because he has kind of gone um, straight into work of identifying and having exit interviews with Manchester United players um, and essentially mm-hmm. identifying who he wants to have on for the summer because he just basically said he had he gave himself one day or one night to celebrate with Ajax, and then he said the next stop is Manchester United because there's a lot of work to be done. Um and he's actually kind of made some moves already. He he basically filled out the rest of his coaching staff. He got his number two. I think his name is Mitchell Van. Uh, I can't remember his exact name, but he was his number two at Ajax. So he brought him over uh, from Ajax. And then also uh, Steve McLaren, who was actually uh, a pretty big influence slash assistant under the Sir Alex Ferguson era, who I believe um, Eric Ten Hag worked closely with when he was at um, trying to remember he was early on in Ajax or another club that I'm kind of forgetting, but him and uh, Eric Tenog have a pretty good relationship with each other. Um, so I know a lot of people are pretty excited about um, him kind of getting the full coaching staff he wants. So now that he's starting to fill that out, he's also basically been on the lookout of identifying who to keep on for the rest of this squad. And he's actually uh, kind of made some, there's been some reports that players like Aaron Juan Basaka, some other players as well that are, basically going to be put up for sale this summer because uh, Eric Ten Hag doesn't see them. He doesn't view them, doesn't feel like they have a future um, with his plans. Um, and there's also been reports that he's he wants to keep Ronaldo on for the end of his contract and work with him, but he also wants to sign two midfielders, a center back and a striker for the transfer window. So it's been, I would say it's been pretty positive signs for going into the summer window. It's, it's, it definitely seems like Eric Ten Hag is really committed um, he's getting the coaching staff he wants and kind of identifying already uh, some big pieces that need to be solved right away. And there's been some big players kind of linked to Manchester United. One of them is Frankie de Jong. Rumor has kind of cooled off a bit since last week, but it seems like Barcelona are still in the financial despair they are, even though there are reports basically linking them to signing Robert Lewandowski on a free because I think Lewandowski is going to be leaving. He confirmed mm-hmm. he's leaving after the end of this season. Um, so it seems like him and Barcelona are going to sign a contract. But because of that, uh, our Barcelona need to offload some wages. And I think, you know, because of that, they're going to have to sell some sort of good players for them. And I think Frankie de Jong has kind of been on the fringe a bit. 
I know there's been mixed reports about saying Xavi, he likes him, but then the Barcelona board is saying that any player is kind of up for sale right now if the price is right. And I feel like with the relationship that Eric Ten Hag has, even though Manchester United won't be in the Champions League under De Jong, I feel like that can be enough to kind of sway him. Um, and I feel like Barcelona could be in a position where they're kind of forced to sell. And I think that could be the point where Manchester United could kind of come in and swoop in for him. And I did read a lot of kind of some scouting reports on him. I know, uh, I guess a lot of people, I, I will say this, Frankie De Jong, he's not like a pure like central defensive midfielder, like a Fabinho who's going to just sit mm-hmm. in the hole and just dictate play. A lot of people were kind of like, he's like Paul Pogba, but like the less flashier version of him where he's he's like a box-to-box where he, he likes going up and down the midfield and he likes playing as like an eight, but you need... A, a like a proper CDM to kind of cover for him. He can't be like the lone CDM. And I think that's where kind of where he struggled a bit under Barcelona, where they were kind of using him as kind of being the Busquets replacement, but he kind of struggled in that role. But once they kind of found the right role for him, he was able to kind of pick up his performances a bit. So I think De Jong would be a really good signing because we do need, do need midfielders and he'd be a good player to recycle the play, keep the ball moving and just kind of keep the overall possession play well. But we would need to sign a proper central defensive midfielder as well to kind of cover for him as to cover for him as well. That'd be such a big signing. Frankie de Jong. He literally yeah. is like, if I were to equivalent him to like a certain player, it probably would be someone like a Sergio Busquets where he's a little defensive, but he's not, you know, a, a pure CDM, like a Fabinho and yeah. he's not attacking either. So you can't really say he's like equivalent to like an Emre Chan who's just yeah. going to bomb up and down the field and then like <laughs> score the occasional, banger here and there he's very much like he's going to sit in the middle of the field distribute the ball control tempo so almost like a i guess almost like a tony cruz except once again he doesn't score yeah. <laughs> so it's kind of weird he's very much just like i only pass that's all i do and then ca- mm-hmm. occasionally score like a header goal or something like that here and there but that'd be big because i know for barcelona at least he seemed like the right kind of player just a player that just likes to control tempo and pass around so for him mm-hmm. to go to Manchester United and be reunited with uh, Ten Hong. Hmm. That would be interesting. But also, it's just interesting to see the other player that's kind of linked with him, too. Uh, I think his name is Jurian Timbers. Yeah, the I just, young center I just know about him. from Ajax. Yeah, the, yeah. I just know about I don't him because he's very... I, I don't know too meta. much about him, but... Um, <laughs> Yeah, I, I don't know too much about him. I know he's a pretty short center back, which is kind of concerning, especially in the Premier League. But yeah, five ten. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's not the ideal height considering you know some of the strikers you face in the Premier League and the other people you're kind of going up against. But um, obviously, Ten Hag has worked under him at Ajax, and it seems like the move could happen for a relatively decent deal. It won't be too expensive. Um, so, I mean, if Ten Hag sees him as like a valuable piece to kind of progress or even kind of not even be a starter from day one but just be a nice backup piece or someone you develop on the on under the radar i'm all for it because you know that's kind of how you need to develop these players or how you need to how you build a club essentially it's like you you you, every player you sign doesn't need to be a starter from day one they can kind of be the more low-key signings where you work for them under a bit get them adjusted use their system develop them and then they can slowly make their mark in the first team um, I don't think every signing you make needs to be a home run hitter from day one. That's true. But I mean, I will say Timbers, he got that team of the season for the era of easy. <laughs> so he, <laughs> he is promising. I'll say that. Yeah. And he's very meta. He's very fast. So oh, there we go. He's a center back. So there you go. So he's usable <laughs> in FIFA. But yeah, 
I mean, speaking of somewhat usable players, like one of the players that I saw on a report today that's maybe on his way out is Aaron Juan Basaka. Yeah. So wh- who are you guys going to get instead? Because like, I know you just have like Dalo and like that's about yeah. it. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I don't think you'll put Timbers at right back, even no, if you can I, bring Timbers in. So it's just like. I, I, I am I am pretty interested well, who we're, who we're going to bring in. I know there's been talks about um, players like Ethan Lard, who's been a, he's like an academy uh, fullback, a right back actually for Manchester United. That's kind of been uh, someone that a lot of people within United have talked about is he he could be the next guy to get like the next step into the first team. So maybe that could be the the future. Maybe they try to promote Ethan Lard to be the the new right back under like as a backup right back and then maybe potentially overtake Dallow. Um, but yeah, the Aaron Wan Basaka thing is very interesting. I think there were definitely a lot of reports because even under Ralph Rianyak, we saw that Aaron Wan Basaka was down the pecking order. It was Dallow who was preferred as the first team right back. So, um, and obviously Ralph Rianyak, he was the interim coach and we're seeing Eric Ten Hag who has basically come in now or just scouted from the outside and just identified that Wan Basaka can't fit his system. And yeah, it, it was interesting. There was actually a lot of, I guess, some talk within Manchester City fans that they were talking about um, they would potentially want to take Aaron Wambasaka off Manchester United. And I thought that was really interesting. Um, I don't know if I quite oh. agree with that, but they were saying that under, like, if they get Wambasaka, he could be really useful in certain situations and games because he's a really good 1v1 defender um, in terms of just purely defensively he's a he's a good defender on 1v1 situations um but i don't know I, I don't i don't know if i quite see the fit there i don't know if crystal palace is maybe they line up alone alone for him to loan him back type thing but definitely manchester united will if they do sell him like they'll definitely be suffering a loss there because he's 25 he's still got a good good amount of years with him but he's 25 and they bought him for i believe that the, like, the whole deal was like 61 million or something like that yeah in total. 62 million yeah something like yeah dollars. it's a shame it was something it's paid. a shame he never yeah. yeah it's a shame he never developed into kind of developing his attacking i guess powers and that, that was a shame because he definitely did show a lot of signs his first two seasons of like he could be a solid right back for Manchester united but i guess where the game is going and the type of coach we have hired his skill set is not the most favorable for that for that type of style, and ultimately, it was also, I guess, poor scouting on Manchester United. I think they scouted. I think the report was like they scouted almost a hundred plus right backs before they landed on Aaron Wan-Bissaka, which is just ridiculous. And I would say even under Ole, like Ole Gunnar Solskjaer wasn't a Jose Mourinho s manager where all he cares about is defending. He wanted to play more offensive style, so it was just. If they identified Juan Bisaka to have those weaknesses, it's just interesting that they kind of just went ahead and made the move for him anyways. Um, but hopefully that's in the past of just scouting players and just going for them just because they're there. Um, and we find the right profile players. But I do agree that I think that Dallo would be a better fit under Ten Hag, but also Dallo isn't the best right back because mm-hmm. he can be a bit erratic as well. And his defensive abilities, are, I would say, are definitely a lot lower than Juan Bisaka. Um, but I don't know. It's, it's, a, it's a tough one. I know some people have said that. Why don't you try to convert Wambasaka to a center back? But I'm also like, that's you know, this is not FIFA. You can't just turn <laughs> He's a, not FIFA. <laughs> yeah, you can't just turn a fullback into a center back because I would say Wambasaka, even though he's a good one v one defender, um, he also has a, a a pretty big deficiency in terms of covering the back post. He tends to lose his man a lot, so his positioning isn't the best. Um, so I don't think that really works well as a center back. But 
yeah, one Bisaka I think could be the one that could get loaned out or sold during the summer as well. Yeah, and even I, I mean he has some decent height, six feet tall. Yeah, apparently one hundred fifty nine pounds. How am I? I'm heavier than him. <laughs> I'm five eight. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm just huge. <laughs> but <laughs> I mean, even then, Aaron Wan Bisaka was also. Just, I mean, even despite being one of the one of a hundred scouted apparent right backs for Manchester United, he was one of like the top players in that position yeah, he was crystal palace player of the season um yeah uh during the 2018-19 season and i believe even for the england national team it was basically a they have so many right backs it's insane yeah. they have like you know trent alexander trent, arnold Reece, kyle walker reese james uh trent, kieran trippier yeah and then um, uh, aaron Juan bisaka aaron Juan bisaka so it's like he was in that competition to get that starting spot so it wouldn't be a surprise for Manchester United to go after him. Even for, at that time too, like Trent wasn't an established right back at the time too. So Liverpool were still transitioning to their new right back. And then yeah, ultimately became James Trent. wasn't even in the picture. Like he, he only mm-hmm. burst on the scene the 2019-20 season, like midway through. Right. And now all of a sudden, Aaron Wan-Vasaka just, he's just falling off. It's just, he didn't really hit that big projection that everyone was anticipating he'd get. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I, I'm not sure if this is the correct kind of, I guess, rumor or news or kind of adage for Erwan Basaka. But apparently, even while he was still at Crystal Palace, he wasn't a starting right back to begin with. I think he was like a winger or something. But then during training, the coaches saw he was really good at shutting down Wilfred Zaha. So then they <laughs> moved him at right back. Oh, yeah. I think I've heard that story. Yeah. So I was like, wow, okay. <laughs> you know, it just became one of the best right backs in the Premier League. And now it's like starting to show. It's like, oh, maybe he's just good at one-on-ones and getting yeah. down one player and that's it <laughs> yeah i think he i think yeah. he definitely works well for maybe a system where you are a bit more defensive because it doesn't rely on him kind of bombing forward and being on the front foot and that's probably mm-hmm. why you know teams like crystal palace maybe some of the more mid-table lower lower half of the table premier league teams he can play well for them it's almost like uh nathaniel klein when he was when he was signed for liverpool i know he was southampton's like one of southampton's best players um during that 2014-15 run and a lot of clubs were linked with him i think he was actually like i think he got called up to the england squad at one point as well so he was yeah. looking like kind of like a solid right back and obviously liverpool scooped him up bottom and he was pretty i think he was solid for that one season and then after that once Klopp kind of came in he basically identifies like uh, i don't know if klein is the guy and he basically klein. got a little fi- yeah i got phased out I, obviously injuries didn't help him as well um, but I remember watching Liverpool. I was like, man, what happened to Nathaniel Klein? And obviously now, I mean, it just he's just not that type of player. So I wonder if it's kind of the s- same story of Juan Bisako. It looked like he was going to be the be the guy. And then a couple of seasons in, it's like, ah, maybe maybe it's time to move on and go for someone else. And it's like Juan Bisako could be kind of like Nathaniel Klein S, where now he's just kind of like bouncing around mid table teams. Um, man, which is what a fall from grace. It's Back tough. to Crystal Palace, maybe, but yeah, it's I mean, tough. It's a tough life out there. <laughs> the one thing Juan Basaka does have, though, he does have the physicality. Like he's like he's yeah. still like six feet tall for a right back, and he has potential. And it's kind of surprising that he was struggling going on the attack, given he was a former winger, apparently. So yeah, it's, <laughs> it's like what the deal situation. Is. <laughs> it's just an odd it's like, situation. What is he? Gosh dang! Yeah, but, we've I mean, um, we'll see. yeah. United have struggled with having a good right back for. Uh, li- literally since Gary Neville has retired. Like they've had, 
<laughs> Valencia right back. Yeah, <laughs> Valencia. Ashley Young played right back at one point. Uh, Rafael was pretty good, but then Louis Van Hollick shipped him out. Um, so, yeah, United have had a, a hard time replacing their fullbacks since Evra and Gary Neville have left. So, I know Luke Shaw has been there, but, like, sometimes Luke Shaw can be a little, like, what are we getting? I still think Luke Shaw is a good left back. I would want him to stay on because mm-hmm. Alex Talese has, has shown that he's just not it at left back, especially in the Premier League. His, he's just, like, he cannot cope with the physicality in the league. But I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll see. I, I think... Um, I think all United fans are ready for the season to end and they're looking forward to the, the summer window, but um, not to... It's a big window. Yeah, it's, it'll be an exciting <laughs> one. I'm excited to see the changes, but yeah, not to not to have this podcast done on Manchester United too much, but I guess moving on to our wildcard topic, we did mention that Everton today um, on May 19th confirmed that they will um, stay up in the Premier League. They secured... Um, safety in the Premier League after beating or after coming back, excuse me, to beat um, Crystal, Crystal Palace. Palace. They were two Crystal Palace were two 0 up at, um, going into halftime, and then somehow Everton were able to basically make the comeback three two. And the fans actually stormed the pitch when Everton scored the winner on the 80, 85th minute, and then they had to clear out the fans. And then obviously, once full time hit, the scenes were crazy just literally all the fans buzzed in got into the stadium got inside the pitch like it was a great scene it, w- it was really cool to see obviously you know it, it looked like they had just won the champions league or the or the league title or something but they were struggling all season it, it definitely looked like at times like oh my gosh they could get relegated and they finally secured um the safety and you could just see the relief come off the players frank lampard everyone and yeah everton are going to be in the Premier League or in the top flight for the 69th season in a row going into next season, which is pretty big. Of course. Of course, it's 69th. Yeah. <laughs> That's all. So Roger Bennett uh, from the Men in Blazers on Twitter said he pooped his pants after Everton <laughs> <laughs> got that win. So I guess something good came out of that. But man, imagine if it was a season where Liverpool gets a quadruple and then Everton get relegated. That would be yeah. Evertonian's nightmare. But, yeah. you know, there you go. I'm Everton glad. Stay I'm up. glad. I like, like you said. I'm glad they're up because it is like they are like football heritage. They're like a mainstay in yeah. the Premier League, and it would just be really weird to see them. It would almost be like Newcastle esque, like them going back down to the championship. Even worse, I would say, because Everton have been more relevant than Newcastle in the mm-hmm. past century um, or like the past decade. But I mean, yeah, you think about all the good players that have come out of Everton. Like obviously, the like biggest one is Wayne Rooney. Um, they just had a lot of good players come out of there and it's just, it would be crazy to think that they would be in the championship, but luckily they're in the Premier League again and they probably won't, hopefully won't get close to getting relegated again in the near future. Yeah, that was bizarre. That was like when Chelsea at one point was in that <laughs> relegation talk for half a season. Yeah. And seeing Everton there, I mean, we're going to have our Premier Pod Awards next week, which is a slight spoiler, but I mean, it's Everton <laughs> for most disappointing season so far. That yeah. was... For them to have that reaction too of just relief and storming the field for not getting relegated when their expectations were going for a European, a European Cup competition. Yeah. What the heck? <laughs> so it was tough. just a show. <laughs> it was just avoiding punishment. <laughs> but it, it oh was a gosh. tough season for them. But what, what that means going into Championship Sunday is we said that the final, basically, final relegation spot will now come down to Burnley or Leeds. Burnley are right now have the advantage because they have a superior goal differential than Leeds. But um, Leeds 
they're tied on points, Burnley and Leeds. So essentially Leeds, they need to win their game and they just got to hope that Burnley draw or lose. And that way Leeds stay up with Jesse Marsh. But yeah, that relegation spot is going to come down to a really, it's going to be really interesting because it's, like, who do you kind of go for? Because Leeds also have a ton of really good players that if they get relegated could go for really cheap. Players like like Rafinha who've been Rafinha. linked to Barcelona. I think Liverpool at one point before Luis Diaz and some other big clubs. Calvin Phillips who's been linked to a lot of big moves. So Leeds, I would say, have a ton of big players that could they could lose out on a ton of money if they get relegated, which would be a huge loss for them. Meanwhile, Burnley, they do have some good players, but I, I would say like, you know, I feel like they won't get affected as much. It sucks going down in the championship, but there's not like a lot of teams kind of going after their players right now compared to Leeds. <laughs> yeah, Burnley is very much a smaller, like not no no offense and like no means to disrespect, but like they're definitely like a smaller t- town club. You know, Turf Moor. I don't know how many people fit in that stadium, but it's like one of those Bournemouth size stadiums where it's like 20k max. Yeah, and it's like Burnley is kind of like a smaller town out there, but Leeds. We always hear of Leeds as like one of the former, also kind of. I wouldn't, I'm not sure if you say blue chip teams, but it's just like also like a team that's just kind of more prolific that just have been teetering between championship and the Premier League. And they just so happened to get relegated those several seasons ago in the early 2000s. And they had certain players, like I believe like Ferdinand at one point as well. Yeah, Rio and Ferdinand, James Milner yeah, played Ferdinand. for them. Mm-hmm. So for them to get relegated, it's like, yeah. bro, what the heck? And they lost Bielsa during the season. And like the expectations also were similar to Everton's where they were supposed to go for like mid table to upper mid table. And now they're mm-hmm. on the brink of relegation with Jesse Marsh, yeah. who I feel like has done a decent job since he's come in. But it's just like he's been yeah. given such a big hill to climb with so many injuries. And I mean, you've seen like the frustration from the previous matches with Leeds where some of their star players are just getting red cards. Like every game, I feel like yeah. there's one red card for Leeds. Daniel James. Like Arsenal. Getting a red card. Yeah, Daniel James too. I'm like, gosh dang. So for me, I feel like if Barnley were to get relegated, they might have an easier shot of coming back up to the Premier League. And they are very much like the quote unquote Stoke City of the Premier League right now where they play a much different way compared to everyone else. Very physical, very, very they just basically are pulling the Tennessee Titans or Atlanta Falcons kind of move right now where just all their players are above 6'3". Like mm-hmm. their star striker right now, uh, Weghorst is 6'6". Six, six. <laughs> yeah. He used <laughs> to be Wolfsburg. Chris Wood before the Yeah, he used to be Chris transfer. Wood. Who was also, <laughs> also really like big. 6'4", something like that. Yeah. So, I mean, they just kind of they're win only, their like, own I way. I feel like they're only like skillful like wingers, Dwight McNeil. That's like yeah, that's Dwight literally McNeil, where all the sauce comes from. Also, uh, Goodmanson. But oh, yeah. he doesn't usually start. I don't know why. Yeah. But for for some reason, like this team, is just they win in such their own way. So I would kind of miss them if they were to get relegated just because it's such a different team. It's such an English team, quote unquote. <laughs> it's just like, <laughs> they just win on brute physicality. Whereas for Leeds, they've also had like their own style under Bielsa. And then also under now Jesse Marsh, it's a lot more high press. But it's just he didn't. I feel like he just didn't have enough time to really get it really in for a lead so yeah if you were to if i were to pick yeah so i mean if you were to pick like which teams are looking like they're probably going to go down between the two i'm gonna have to say leads it's just (laughs) yeah i i think leads they've just been struggling a lot this season and yeah it seems like whenever they do win it's always out of crazy circumstances almost like a three two comeback or 
you know, two, two, it's always high scoring affairs and they have conceded, I guess, second, they've conceded a lot of goals. Nor I think Norwich are the only team that have conceded more goals than them in the Premier yeah, League. So, <laughs> yeah. So it's like they're, they're same problems that had last year where they just are a leaky defense carried them this year, but they haven't been scoring as much to help compromise that. Uh, so yeah, I, I unfortunately think Leeds will go down, and that means like a lot of their big players will be leaving on the on the cheap um, back into the Premier League or to other big clubs. So mm-hmm. it's unfortunate, okay. but I do think that Leeds um, will get the final relegation um, spot as well. But I guess quickly moving on to the teams that have been confirmed promoted. This has been kind of news for a while now, but it will be Fulham are back in the Premier League. Same, they're basically a yo-yo club at this point, same as Norwich. And then Bournemouth are finally back after a two-season, um, basically two seasons, uh, I guess, hiatus from the Premier League. Uh, they're under Scott Parker, who, oddly enough, was the former Fulham caretaker manager uh, when they were last in the Premier League, Fulham were. So, yeah, Bournemouth under Scott Parker are now back in the Premier League, which will be a fun one because Bournemouth um, always have, under Eddie Howe, always been like that team that play... Uh, they play like they're not fighting for relegation. They always play like very smooth, total football type way. And yeah, it'll be exciting to see Bournemouth back, the Vitality Stadium back in action. And obviously Fulham are back as well. Mm-hmm. And Fulham, I was surprised. I think they scored 106 goals in the championship yeah. this past Mitrovic season. Mitrovic broke is, the scoring record in the championship. Yeah, Alexander Mitrovic. Yeah. yeah, that guy. He's not <laughs> going to score any. I, I, I feel like he's probably only going to score four. I would say maybe four? five. I'll give him five in the Premier League. Man, I I think he's going to... I There's feel no like way. he's going to score a, a decent I feel like bit every time he's in the championship, he, he always scores a ton. And then when he gets back in the Premier League, he can't score anything. Man, but 10% of his total <laughs> four. <laughs> That's... Like some players by accident score four. Like Fabinho <laughs> score more than that this season. But I mean, Fulham, yeah, they're basically a yo-yo club, as you just mentioned, where it's like a second Norwich. Like they'll probably get relegated next season. But <laughs> for Mitrovic, I think he'll I think he'll score more than that. I think he'll be closer mm. to seven or eight. I think they'll have some momentum being the top club from the championship being promoted, but they will lose probably Fabio Carvalho to Liverpool at this point. Their star yeah. like, uh center attacking mid. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, we'll see. But I think for Fulham, that's kind of surprising how strong their attack was. So you never know. If they can kind of replicate that, we'll see. But, you know, the competition between the championship and the Premier League is so big. I wouldn't be surprised if Mitrovic ends up up actually scoring like five total. But for 106 goals total, that's insane. And Bournemouth, once again, I'm also surprised they're already back. Because Eddie Howe, he was their main... What's it called? Like, you know, mastermind behind bringing this club all the way from, I believe, League Two all the way into yeah. the Premier League all those years ago. And now without him, I thought they'd be struggling for a while, but they already came mm-hmm. back. So the foundations, they are looking pretty good. And I really don't know too much about him. So it'd be interesting to see a reunion between Ryan Frazier and Eddie Howe at Newcastle versus Bournemouth. So that'll be a very yeah. interesting match next season. That's gonna that'll be, be a really good one. <laughs> yeah, no, that's gonna go also Callum Wilson too the striker at mm-hmm. Newcastle they just all ended yeah. up there and they're just seeing him again but yeah third so match or like I guess like the third team sorry to cut you off there but the third team that will also be promoted to the Premier League will most likely be either Nottingham Forest or Huddersfield looks like at this point with yeah. the uh, playoff final playoff match being reported to be 
in a couple weeks. So we'll see who's the third team. But Nottingham Forest, I kind of want to see a new team in the Premier League. We've seen Huddersfield yeah. there. They they kind of gotten away a few seasons ago with having a really good defense and then yeah. just scraping by one nils and then ultimately got relegated the following season. Mm-hmm. But Nottingham Forest is a prolific team. Like they were a team in the 70s that won the Champions League twice. Yeah. And they've just been sitting in the championship for Forever. I don't even know how long. It's been like decades. But yeah. they're they're on the brink of coming back. Santosh, our listener, is very excited. He has their jersey for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> so that'll be a big move. And I just hope if either team, one of these two teams make it to the Premier League, it doesn't become a situation where it's like, all right, they're just going <laughs> to just sit there and then just wait to get relegated because it'll be interesting to see kind of like these newer teams. It's kind of like a new, fresh start, but I yeah. mean, because like you get some surprises like Brentford this season getting 11th mm-hmm. at this point. But, yeah. you know, you got other teams like Norwich and Watford going straight back down. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm I'm pretty excited to see uh, Nottingham, Nottingham Forest. I feel like that would be a pretty pretty good team to like kind of see what they're we see what they're about back in the Premier League or in the Premier League because like you said they've not been in it for so long and mm-hmm. they've just been stuck in the championship uh I guess hole for a very long time so yeah the, the championship teams are going to be pretty interesting I do feel like we've kind of gotten a pattern of like seeing the same two teams kind of get promoted again and then there's a random third team um so maybe mm-hmm. Nottingham will be that random third team this time and we'll see what happens but I'm excited. I'm still a little sad, though, that Luton Town didn't get into the playoff final because <laughs> they're, if you don't know who they are, you got to Google them. Like their stadium is like a hole in the wall, like restaurant almost looking. It's like it's a building and then it has like one door that you just kind of go into. And I think the max capacity of their stadium is 10,000. That's insane. <laughs> Imagine a t- that team in the Premier League. Imagine Liverpool going to Luton Town for a Premier League match. I feel like they'd probably get obliterated, but it'd just be so funny just to see a team <laughs> like that in the Premier League. It's it's like, how did they even make it all the way here? Unfortunately, they lost in the playoffs already. Um, I believe to not... Wait, is either Nottingham Forest or Huddersfield? Because they're already in like the second round. But man, imagine... Like Luton Town of all teams <laughs> make it this far, but it'll be Huddersfield and Nottingham Forest instead. They'll be going at that third spot. But yeah, I want to give a little shout out to Luton Town folks over there. You guys are so mm-hmm. close. But yeah, it'll be it'll be crazy uh, one day when we see QPR make a comeback to the Premier League. I remember really? QPR, man. Yeah, it's been a while. I think their last season was 2014-15. That's it's like eight years ago or almost. Yeah, that's a long it's time. A, the anniversary of the Guerrero goal. So, yeah, that historic one against QPR to seal Man City that title. So it'd be really ironic if Man City were to lose the title on the final day to Liverpool playing something very similar. <laughs> it has to happen now we'll see. on their anniversary. <laughs> Man, that would be like that would be a full circle moment right there. But please. Yeah. I'm praying. We'll s- We'll see what I'm not happens, a very religious but, man, but I'm praying. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be I'll be hoping that Man City win, like I said earlier. But you know, obviously Tyler's going all in for Liverpool as he should. But uh, yeah, I guess that was kind of our wild card section right there. We just wanted to mention the uh, two teams that will be coming up for the Premier League and possibly the new third team we could be seeing uh, for the next season. But 
Um, as we always say, you can um, subscribe to our YouTube channel at the Premier Pod to catch video versions of this podcast. You can also give us a follow at the Premier Pod on Instagram and Twitter. Um, send us any questions or any DMs or any possible uh, podcast topics or wildcard topics for our next episode. We'll be sure to reply back to any questions we get from there. And if you listen to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, please make sure to leave us a review or rating. It helps boost our podcast up to uh, more people. And we have been noticing they're actually been getting a lot of downloads recently. So we do yeah. appreciate everyone that's taken the time to listen because, yeah, it seems like it's reaching a wider audience. So thank you to everyone that's taken the time to listen um recently because it's it's been great to see that and it uh yeah it's just awesome knowing that you guys are listening and enjoying the content so thanks again for uh listening and yeah uh that kind of uh wraps up episode season four episode 144 of the premiere pod thanks again for listening peace peace peace